You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. Hey, hey, hey. All right. It's Danny J. What's up, y'all? It's me and I'm doing a solo episode. I hope you got a chance to listen to the last episode that Jill did on working your business during COVID-19. It was so, so good. Um, I never expect anything less, but I was taking notes myself and everything I would have to say I fully agree with. So if we had a conversation and we were doing the podcast together, I probably just would have been like, yep, yep, (laughs) yep. So I think that's why we're best friends. We think a lot alike. Um, I do like that we have differing uh, opinions and how we get to conclusions, but we do believe a lot of the same things in business. And I actually wanted to kind of piggyback off of that. And instead of being just specific to business, I do want to talk about just being specific to money and having an abundance mindset in scarcity and like going into a recession, which I don't know if we're technically in a recession uh, yet. I know there have to be certain markers, but it is, it's smelling like one. If you can smell it, I can smell it. And I have been in the middle of my Find the Money project. And so I figured I would just go ahead and share the, I've been doing a seven day challenge and I've done this for almost five years now. And the original challenge was 14 days. I kind of condensed that down to seven. And this time we did the seven days, but I completely rewrote the challenge just in light of what was going on. And there are still a lot of the same principles, just shared in a different way. And a lot of this is really, if I could call this anything, it would be what I wish I knew before the last recession. And a little bit of backstory of how I started getting talking about money at all was um, I was a a personal trainer. I know a lot of you uh, guys are trainers or work in a service industry, hairstylists, massage therapists, um, you know, nutrition coaches. And many of you have jobs like working for government or working for banks or a company. And I've done all of the above. Um, I actually worked for the city of Las Vegas. I was in parks and rec department for a couple of years. So I've had jobs. I was a gymnastics coach for years. I also worked as a trainer for a big gym, um, 24 fitness, which I also read could be filing bankruptcy, which will be crazy. Um, And then I had my own personal training business where I did my training where I rented a studio. So I've worked in all kinds of areas. And uh, I was even a cocktail waitress at the same time I was working for the city. So I was making tips 
and hourly. So I've done a lot of different things. And actually, it was before the last recession where I was actually working for the government, moved to personal training, and then I was also still working at as this cocktail server where I was bringing in a lot of cash. And so there were a lot of things during that time looking back, I wish I had done different. And for a while, for a very long time, I blamed the economy for what happened. Um, ended up losing our home. My ex-husband and I, we filed uh, bankruptcy. We foreclosed on the home. We ended up moving in with friends to stay in their extra bedroom up in Utah. So I was in Las Vegas. We lived in Northern Utah with them for six months in their bedroom, got on food stamps. We're applying to all kinds of jobs. Um, I was working coaching gymnastics at night, making $10 cash under the table. So I was making $90 a week. Um, I was applying to anything and everything. And I remember even there was a job, it was a chiropractor's office. And I sat there at the interview and I remember sitting and there was another woman sitting next to me and we were both waiting to be interviewed. I could see she had a resume in her hand and I had mine and she was like my mom's age. And I remember thinking, man, this is so sad. I'm competing against somebody who could be my mom's age and this isn't my dream job. And I felt almost guilty for trying to get a job when, when this isn't really what I wanted to be doing. And the chiropractor brought me in and he asked me, he looked at my resume and he's like, oh, you have a master's degree. Why are you here? And I was like, I just need to work. <laughs> and it's probably the answer I gave why I didn't get the job because <laughs> I wasn't excited about working. I just needed money. And I think that was a humbling experience. And I was really upset because I had never applied for a job really that I didn't get. And so I had applied to many and I wasn't getting them. And I found I was overqualified and that was a different scenario to be in. And ultimately my ex-husband got a job in Dallas, Texas, and it was for a $35,000 a year salary. And that was less than I had made since graduating college, really. My, my city job was 42000 a year. And he had been making like 65, 70 plus commission. So we were making six figures. And um, to move, you know, a couple thousand miles away for $35,000 a year job felt like such a kick in the, the nuts if I had them. And yet it was the only option we really had. It was like, well, we have to take this. So we did that, packed everything up and drove off to Texas. He actually left two months before me. Um, I had to stay with my parents for two months while he made enough money to afford to get me out there. So that's kind of where it was. And so I want to share a little bit of that backstory because I want you to know the things I wish I had known to not have put myself in that situation, you know, to make six figures, to be doing really well. And so I thought, you know, I thought that we were really good with money. Um, we didn't have a lot of crazy bills. I didn't have a whole lot of credit card debt. I didn't have crazy amounts of student loan loans. Um, we weren't going out drinking. We weren't partying. I didn't spend lavishly. But looking back, there were a lot of things I could have done differently and I wasn't being the best steward of my money. So I'm just going to go through seven things here. And these are basically the seven days I did during Find the Money Project. Um, and so this really goes a lot along the lines of a lot of the things that Jill said as well. I love that she said, we can't live with regret, but we can do something now. And so that is the one piece I want to just encourage you. You know, I looked back for a long time. I was really mad at myself going through that situation. I was like, I should have done this and I should have known. And it's like, you couldn't have known and you don't know what you don't know. And I will like really encourage you to be open right now and just understand that some of you didn't go through that. Um, I have a girl in one of my courses, she was in high school during the last recession. She's like, honestly, I don't remember going through anything like that wasn't, it didn't affect me. And so I just want to be here to say I did go through it. So I want to share with you what I wish I knew. 
and hopefully to help you avoid any of the things that I had to go through. And if you do go through any of the stuff I went through, also to let you know that it can all turn around, which I also hope that you can see that. Um, we went from literally the year after living with our friends. I think that year our taxes we filed, we made $19,000, which actually seemed like a lot. I feel like we had some like some good amount of money at the beginning of the year, but ultimately that year was probably closer to like $12,000. And the following year after learning a lot of the stuff that I learned and shifting my money mindset, we made 166,000. So we went from 19 to 166 and then that just grew and grew. And so if this does anything else, I just want it to give you hope that things can turn around so you can lose it all and you can make it all back. And anything you purchase that you lose, you can buy again. Um, you can always get new things, but I hope if anything that any of this coronavirus and recession is doing is helping us really focus on what matters. So it actually starts with the number one thing. The number one, um, I don't know what I want to call these. I'm not going to call them nuggets, but let's just say actions. First action to take is to assess the situation and create a game plan. So like getting real, like what is the situation you're in right now financially? Some of you are working extra. You're making more money. Some of you are working a lot less. Some of you have been laid off. Some of you have been furloughed. Some of you don't know when you're going back. Maybe you have a studio that's not open yet. And so you're going, I don't really know when the next dollar is coming in. So getting real. And this goes back to what Jill said about just getting clinical. It's like, let's take a real look. Because sometimes we can just really catastrophize. And when we look on paper, we're like, okay, we can actually make this. It's not so bad. Like my rent is due on May 1st and I have more than enough to cover that in the bank account. And I, you know, I do have an employment coming in and I do have, um, you know, some money in savings. So we need to really assess the true situation. What does it actually look like? And the other piece of this and the homework that I had everyone do, and I would love for you to think of this yourself, is what's one time where you didn't have resources and you were resourceful? So I did make a post on this and Jill mentioned it in the episode, but there was a quote from Tony Robbins and he said that people, it's it's not the lack of resources, it's your lack of resourcefulness that stops you. So people often say, well, I can't do it because I don't have enough money or I don't have a graphic designer or I don't have a radio voice to be on a podcast or I don't know how to do video. And it's not that you don't have the resources, you're just not being resourceful. So you know, Jill really pushed this on like, now is the time to be on video. Now is the time to get your voice out there. Now is the time to try new things and like really make it work. And you have to be resourceful. There's so many times where I have literally not had anything in front of me yet. I made it happen. And on the outside, you'd be like, how in the heck she must have like, no, I have nothing. I've had nothing. <laughs> um, I made a post on Instagram about how Jill and I went to Australia in 2017. And I've always wanted to go to Australia. And I just have it in my mind that if I'm going to travel, it's somebody else has to pay for it, right? I've been traveling a bunch the last couple of years. You guys know this. I've been living out of a suitcase. And a good majority of the time that's been because I've been speaking somewhere or I've had um, a friend or place to go or ways to like make that trip work for me instead of me working for the trip. And I don't know where I got this from, to be honest. Some of my resource, I feel like we all are born with it, but I also think that resourcefulness is a muscle that you have to work on and getting creative. And I know uh, when I was younger, 
if I wanted something, I maybe it just came from my mom making me figure it out. She's like, you're not going to get it unless you pay for it. And so I'd have to go, well, dang, like, how am I going to, how am I going to get this? How am I going to go on this field trip? She's not paying for it. I got to, I got to figure it out. And so I started getting really creative and I've done this for a very long time. Um, in my twenties, I wanted to go on this thing called Outward Bound. It was a semester. I want to say it was around $5,000 and we lived outside for 81 days. I lived, we used a backpack. I had three showers in the entire 81 days. We were doing rock climbing, whitewater rafting, canyoneering, mountaineering. It was an unbelievable experience. And you could apply for a scholarship, which I got partial paid for. I think I got about $2,000 paid for. And then after that, I had to come up with the rest. So I like wrote out a letter and I went to dentist office. I went to chiropractic offices. I just like went around and I asked people to sponsor me because I remember being in a dentist and seeing like their, they'd have plaques on the walls of like softball teams that they sponsored. And they're probably from their kids or their staff's kids or something. But I thought, oh, if they're going to sponsor a softball team, maybe they'll sponsor me. And so I got $100 here, $500 here, a couple hundred dollars here. And I was able to pay for that trip just by going around and asking these people to sponsor me. And then I wrote them a thank you letter. And I don't remember what I promised them, but I made some kind of promise. Like if you send me this much, then I will, you know, who knows what I did. Um, I'm sure nothing that valuable. But to me, it was valuable, right? And so I got really resourceful. And I know that every single one of you has a story like that. And it doesn't have to be about money. I asked people in the group to post about times they got resourceful. And some of it was money. Some of it was like just getting something in by a deadline, like figuring it out. This happened to me actually just really recently. Um, my boyfriend and I are working on a project uh, for someone else who's launching a, a program. And we hired an ads person and they just disappeared disappeared. We were supposed to have a meeting on Saturday. They weren't there. Sunday was Easter Sunday and they weren't there. And I started going through my phone and texting a couple people I knew who knew ads on Easter Sunday. And I was like, gosh, you know, I don't want to blame bug somebody on Easter Sunday, but we're going to do it. And we ended up getting somebody on the phone with us till two in the morning, fixing everything and hustling and making it work for this client amazingly. And they had no idea the stress or the craziness, but we were willing to stay up and be on YouTube and figure it out because I didn't want to fail that client. And that's the kind of drive that I have to make something work. And I know all of you have that in you. You will figure it out. And so number one thing is assess the situation. And then the second part of that is just to like look back on your history and find proof that you've been resourceful and that you can't be resourceful. Because I know once you have that proof, you go, you know what? I can figure this out. And I know you can figure it out. If I can, you can. I really don't have anything that anyone else doesn't have. We all have a brain. We all have creativity. I just maybe I've done it more because I don't know, I've been forced into the situation or just I, whatever, some reason I've gotten resourceful, but I, I don't think I've done it way more than anyone else. Maybe I just brought up in different ways. So that is number one, get, uh, assist the situation and then create a game plan. The other part of this is, well, actually this is going to be number two. So number two is prioritizing what matters most and then figuring out how to get it. So we've assessed the situation, number one, like we've gone and said, okay, is it as bad as it as we think it is? Is it worse? What is the real situation? And number two is prioritize what really matters most. So when we really look at it, we have to prioritize and go, okay, what do we need first? One is our health. 
Number one is, are we healthy? Are we going to live? Do we have food? Do we have shelter, right? That's the true priorities if we're looking at it. Maybe next is like getting our job, but do you have food on the table? Do you have a place to sleep at night that is safe, that um, is free from bugs and snow and wind and you know water, that kind of thing? Two, really, the next priority is going to be like your closest family, right? Do you have love? Are you surrounded? Do you have people who care for you? Are you um, in a safe place with people who care for you? Or do you have that next? And then the third is really like your resources. What kind of skills, talents, what do you have to offer? Where can you serve? So prioritizing what really matters. And then the next part of that is expecting the best, but preparing for the worst. So this is an interesting one because I do believe in the law of attraction. I do believe in manifestation and I do believe that we, I don't like to say things out loud that I don't want to happen. Like I don't like to put negative things out to the universe. However, I do think it's a great exercise to prepare for the worst and know what is worst case scenario right now for you. So let's say worst case scenario is I don't get my job back. Don't get my job back. So I need to get on unemployment and start looking for work. Okay, I can do that. And then I can put that out of my mind. So it's not that I'm trying to like catastrophize or look for a worst case scenario, but I do think it is important. And we've talked about this in past episodes of ways to cope of what is the worst case scenario and could I handle that? And for the most part, you could. You know, my worst case scenario, funny enough, I didn't even put myself in that position back in my uh what happened with me in the recession. Worst case scenario, we foreclosed on our house, we filed bankruptcy, we moved in with our friends. We got on food stamps. Holy crap, that felt so heavy and I hated every minute of it. But looking back, I'm like, you know what though? If I was looking at my priorities, I was fine. I I had my dogs, I had my husband, I had my best friends, they were taking care of me. I had food, I had shelter, I had a car still and I had my internet so I could run my business. Looking back, it was fine. It was really my ego that couldn't handle it. It was my issues around feeling what it meant about me to do that that was the biggest problem. It wasn't actually what happened that was that bad. And so I want you to really look at your priorities. What does matter? If you have your loved ones with you, if you have to move into your parents' house, into their basement or sister's couch, like honestly, y'all do it. I mean, how many times have we heard these success stories? I swear we always, Jill and I joke about this and I joke about all of my friends is like, you're not a real success unless you have like, I lived on my sister's couch story or I lived on my best friend's couch story. I mean, I lived on Jill's couch. We've, a lot of us have had to go down that path and it is totally fine. It does not say anything about you, but prioritize. So number one is get real about what's happening, like assess the situation. Number two, prioritize and like make a game plan and find out what worst case scenario is so you can mentally plan for that and then expect the best. Plan for the worst, expect the best. I don't expect that worst case scenario is gonna come, but if it does, I'm fine with knowing that I will be able to live through it, get through it gracefully and um, you know, flip it on the other side. Number three, the third action is to become a steward of what you have. So becoming a steward of what you have really means it comes down to being faithful with the little things. Now, I've mentioned this before, my one of my money mentors, she's more uh, 
like Bible teaching, and I've not been a scholar of the Bible, even though I was raised in a Christian religion. I, you know, I know enough about the Bible, but there is a uh, verse from the Bible saying, if you are faithful with the little things, you will be made ruler over much. And when I first heard that, and as she explained it, I, it stuck with me. And one of the things I continually ask myself, is this being faithful? Because it makes so much sense to me. If you are faithful with what you have, then the universe or even your job or parents will reward you with more, right? Like if I give, if your kid asks for a little puppy and your kid doesn't take care of the puppy and you end up feeding it, watering it, cleaning up after it, get picking up this poop. And then they're like, I want another pet. You're gonna be like, no, you don't even take care of your dog that you have. I'm the one taking care of it. Right. But if they are so good with this pet, you might go, okay, yeah, let me, you know, maybe we could get something, something that requires more responsibility because you've proven to me, you've shown that you're responsible with what you have. We can up the level of responsibility. Right. And this is as parents, so many of you guys are parents, you know, you give something to your children let them maybe uh, go out and they have a curfew at 10. And if they come home at 10 all the time, they come home, they come home, they're consistent, they're showing that they're being they're being full to that curfew. And then they ask if they can go out till 11. You go, okay, yeah, I'm going to release the curfew because I know that you're trustworthy and you're going to do it, right? So we need to be a steward with what we already have, with our money, with our cars, with our jobs. So the opposite of that is, if you are sitting there and you're just complaining, you're like, I don't make enough money. I never have enough clients. I only have a thousand followers on Instagram. I could be doing more and making more if I had 10,000 like Danny and Jill, but I only have a thousand. Well, guess what? You're not ready to have 10,000 or a hundred thousand or a million. You're not ready because you're not even being faithful with the thousand that are listening to you, that are giving you their attention, that are following you. You don't deserve more until you become a steward with what you have. And it's an interesting one. It was kind of a slap in the face to me because I realized, and going back to the story of staying at my friend's house, I realized that I was being a brat. I was not being faithful or grateful with anything that I had. And I was being, um, I was almost complaining, right? I was like, gosh, I have to live with my friends. This sucks. You know, I'm 30 years old. I should be doing better with my life. Instead of going, wow, I'm really lucky that I have friends to stay with. I'm really lucky that I don't have to give up my dogs because I had to move somewhere. So once I started to flip that and shift into gratitude gratitude, and realizing that I really had a lot going for me, that's when things started to change for me. Instead of saying, I never have enough money for my bills, I looked really closely at what I was actually spending, what I was actually doing with my money, and stopped being an asshole with my money, and suddenly I had plenty. In fact, I was able to pay off $18,000 of debt in 69 days when all along I had barely paid off like $5,000 in a year before that of my student loans and credit cards. So once you become more faithful, you become a steward of what you have, then you will be able to earn the right to more. And this goes back to, I know that Jill talks about um, success is earned. It really is. You have to be a steward with what you have. If you are given um, a small house and a bad neighborhood and you can show that you can take care of your stuff that you have, you will be upgraded. Somehow the universe provides and requ- gives an upgrade, whether that's a new job, a new home, something. 
So I truly believe in being a steward with what you have. So this goes into right number four, action number four, is plugging the leaks and increasing your financial security. So plugging the leaks really is, so taking a look at your bank statements, taking a look at where your money is going. This is really about being faithful and going through, I literally have people print out their bank statements for two months and then taking a highlighter and just highlighting uh, all the food purchases, all the gas, all the target runs, all the gas station runs, all the 7-Eleven stops, you know, all of those kind of things and going, where are things leaking? Maybe it's looking through your subscriptions and you have, you know, a game subscription or you have a subscription to something that you don't even look at or use anymore, but it's charging you $9.99 a month, $14.99 a month. Those small things, again, faithful with the little things. If you're not faithful with those little things, your money just going to disappear. It's going to leave you and go to someone else who is being faithful with it. So this isn't about cutting out everything. This isn't about like, you know, never going to Starbucks again. Believe me, I'm the Starbucks, like Jill and I, when we go, when I stay with her, we take a walk to Starbucks, we pick up our $4 drinks, and we take a walk back. Um, but there are things that I make sure I'm really mindful of. And I do this, I do this every time I do find the money project at least twice a year. And not only do I do it for the, the group and the people who are new, but I do it for myself. I have to make sure I'm being faithful because I know when I'm not being faithful, that's when my money stalls. That's when my um, bank account stalls. That's when I'm not making as much because I know deep down I'm not being faithful. And I ask myself this question, like before I buy something, is this faithful? And it comes down to even my business expenses. You know, am I, if I'm paying for a software, am I using that? Am I, I'm paying for Canva every single month. Am I using it to build my business? I better be, I better be making graphics and putting them on Instagram or I better be using that thing. I don't just want to pay for it for nothing. Am, am I paying for my email software? When was the last time I emailed my list? When was that last time you emailed your list, if ever? So use that stuff. Because if you're using it, it should be helping you make money instead of costing you money. Um, another piece here is this, is like, are you paying for Hulu and Netflix and HBO and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime? Are you paying for six different TV softwares? And are you spending all your time watching TV instead of maybe reading a book or listening to a podcast or something like that? Are there one or two that you can cancel and then keep the rest? I'm not saying like cut everything and cut your life away, but I am saying like, this is the time right now more than anything, prioritize what really matters. Is that charge right now worth more than maybe investing in a coach, hiring, um, getting a book? Like those are kind of, if you have to make choices, $14.99 for an audible book or $14.99 for Disney Plus, which one are you going to choose? And there's not a right or wrong answer. You might need Disney Plus because you need your kids to be quiet so you can go work on your business. I don't know. <laughs> but it is literally, it is just saying, look at everything and be intentional. Don't let your money just disappear. We need to be intentional about it. And that's really, really the whole point of Find the Money Project. That's really the whole point of all of this. So on the action number four, I want you to look at some of the leaks sometimes just going through those statements, you're going to find you got double charged one month and you need to call and fix that. Maybe you got a late fee. You can call and get that taken off. Um, maybe you need to get a hold of your car insurance and shop around for same coverage and paying less. I remember doing that the first time I saved $600 in six months for just switching car insurance. I had the same coverage and I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. 
that $600 is a plane ticket to Hawaii, you know, like there were vacations I wanted to take. And I was like, I don't have the money. I don't have the money. Well, where was it? it car insurance. It was extra bills. It was extra things I was paying for. I didn't need to pay for That was where my vacations were. That's where my travel was. My priorities, what I wanted was a lifestyle. And yet I didn't think I could afford it. And here all along, I could afford it. So I want you to just be really mindful of these things. Be intentional. Action number five, and this is a big one that came up a lot. Action number five, we talked about stressed spending, overcoming self-sabotage, and then on the opposite side, feeling guilty about spending outside of anything essential. And we talked a little bit about FOMO and sales. So this is really interesting. Right now, I've seen a lot of um, memes, uh, within my group, I've been asking people what are their biggest stressors right now, and they're saying, you know, being at home and online shopping, or or uh, eating, emotional eating. So, you know, there are reasons why we do why we emotionally eat. There are reasons why we shop when we're stressed because it releases dopamine in the brain. It's the same thing as if you're snorting cocaine. Um, the dopamine release is something that feels good, and your body looks for something like that. You can get the same. Supposedly, they say you get like a runner's high, but I've never gotten that. <laughs> I never get it from running. But we tend to have tendencies towards something, gambling, drinking, shopping, uh, eating. We A lot of us tend to have tendencies towards one of those things versus another. You know, for me, my dad had a gambling addiction. I have no desire and I have, get no adrenaline off of gambling, yet he does. And I used to really get that from eating. You know, I had uh, bulimia and this binge eating. And so learning how to control that started with being able to reduce triggers. So while I'm not going to go real deep into like how you can completely control self-sabotaging behaviors, um, one of them I will say is doing hypnosis. If you can find a great hypnotherapist, that's helped me a ton. And I know it's helped a lot of people, but let's just talk about triggers as far as spending. So Jill mentioned this in the last episode, unfollowing people who are like outrageous or making you feel like things are, you know, everything's falling apart or maybe unfollowing social media or news. I would say unfollow the companies that are constantly in your face throwing ads at you. Like, hey, there's a new sale. Hey, there's a new sale. You know what I'm talking about. The ones you get emails on. Unsubscribe to the email list. Push stop on their texts. Um, unfollow those pages where you're constantly seeing that stuff. And just be mindful of what you're looking at, because if you can clear those out, it's going to help a ton. You know, it's not going to fix everything. You still might have the urges, but if it's not there, it's way easier. It's kind of like if you're trying to eat healthy, but you have, you know, a bag of jelly beans in your house and you have pizza being delivered, it's a lot harder to say no. Our willpower can only go so far. So we need to help ourselves by taking the temptations away at least a little bit more. Another thing you could do is one, I know I used to have my debit card memorized, is get a new card. If you have your card memorized, then you know, you know what, you know what I'm talking about. If you have it memorized, you know what I'm talking about. Get a new card. So you can't just memorize, type it in. Um, take off the thing on your internet browser that saves your payment information. Have someone change the password. I had some of the women in the group say their husbands have the password so they can't log in to their Amazon account or wherever it is that they have. Change the password, get a new card, um, unsubscribe to the emails, unfollow. These are a lot of things you could do that will help you. And honestly, this is helping you help yourself, right? This is helping you help yourself. Um, one of the things I did 
and I've only done it a few times was I was, I don't know, I was sitting at home and I wanted to get a coffee and I knew I could make coffee at home and I didn't want to, like I wanted to go to Starbucks and I was like, Meh. and I knew if I went, I was going to get a feta wrap and a coffee is going to cost me about six, seven bucks. So I was like, shoot, this isn't being super faithful. So I logged into my Acorns account. It's like a little savings kind of app. And I transferred $7 into my Acorns. And I remember I was kind of cringing. I was like, ew, I don't want to put $7 in there. But I realized I was about to throw $7 away just by eating it. And I could have put that $7 right into savings. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll start doing that. Anytime I get triggered or to want to go spend money, I'll just transfer that amount of money into savings. And I found that it stopped me from wanting to do that. I don't know why it was harder for me to put it in savings. I'd rather see it in my account. Um, but that was a strategy I tried using and it could work for you. And it's also, again, this is all about just being mindful. It's about being mindful. It's choosing, you know, your money, where it's going to go. Would you rather have that $7 go towards having somebody help you with a new logo design versus coffee and a sandwich, right? There's a lot of ways that we can use that money towards building our business, towards investing, towards building ourselves, towards building our savings, towards security, rather than just being frivolous with it, especially right now, just especially right now. Um, so number five was the fifth action was really just kind of cutting out those things that are stopping you. The other side to the coin is guilt. And when you are hoarding money, you're not spending because you're afraid, you feel guilty if you don't buy something that's essential. And so you don't want to spend. I think that is the other side to scarcity as well. So they both come out of scarcity. Usually the binging is kind of like, I'm afraid if I don't buy it now, it's not going to be on sale anymore, right? If I don't get it now, it's going to go away. Now, the other side of hoarding the money and never spending is that I'm afraid I'm never going to make this much again. I'm afraid we'll never have this. And so I don't spend. And that is an so that is a signal to the universe that you're in scarcity as well. We need to have money flow. Money likes to flow. We need to be able to pay people for their services. We need people to pay us for our services. And if we are not um, giving, then we're not also good at receiving and we need to be able to do both. So just be aware um, if you are so afraid to buy anything that's not essential, that's not the case either. Absolutely, I would love for you to spend money on things that make you feel joy, that are growing you. Um, you know, Jill said, I think it was maybe in our post, like if you could spend $15 in a book that makes you $16, that's an investment. So think about ways you can invest. The number six action is getting creative, finding creative ways to make money and to pivot. So I'm not going to talk too much about pivoting. Jill mentioned this a lot in the last episode, but being creative, finding, and this goes back to resourcefulness, things, ways you can make money right now. I'm going to give you 10 ways to make money this week, right away. 10 ideas. One, ask for a raise at your current job. Now, this might not be the best time to ask for a raise, truth be told. Um, but generally, it's easier to make more money at where you are than to try to find a new job, but you can always do that. Again, these are these are 10 ways that I used about six months ago. So asking for a raise might not be the best, but again, those are quicker ways to make money. Number two is get a new job. So again, these two probably aren't the easiest to do at the moment. Three is get a side gig. So this is like network marketing, um, network marketing or MLM, where you can sell a product or service that is already set up for you. What I love about network marketing and side gig or MLM is that 
it's a low cost, low barrier to entry to sell something that's really set up for you already. So if you're going to buy a franchise, you're going to have to spend a big chunk for a franchise fee, usually a lease or rental space. You're going to have to get equipment. Let's say you're doing like a frozen yogurt. You got to get the equipment. You got to hire staff. You got to get furniture, chairs, you know, cash register. You're going to dump a ton of money into that. And then you're going to have to keep that business open about five to seven years before you break even. And then you start making a profit. With MLM side gigs, these are things like essential oils, um, shakes like isogenics, uh, clothing um, like LuLaRoe, or I think that's how you say it, um, skincare, um, all kinds. There's all kinds of MLM. I know you guys know a lot of them. Beachbody, you know, I can't name them all. But what's nice about these is usually it's a small startup cost. So you're paying $500, $1,000, but you get a website that has marketing materials. So you don't have to hire a graphic designer. You don't have to hire a website person. It already has a shopping cart in there. The product gets shipped. You don't have to ship your own product. You don't have to keep inventory generally. So these kind of opportunities are amazing because you start with a small investment and you have an opportunity to make back your money within a matter of weeks and then just profit. The piece though is that they're so easy to get into and that's why most people don't work them very well. They join, they get scared, they feel like people are judging them and then they don't do it. And so ultimately, it is really about treating a business like a business. So if you're joining an MLM as a side gig, you got to treat it like a business, even though it is on the side. And I know so many people who have turned that side gig into their full-time income or replaced their full-time income or in addition. So they use that money to pay off debt, to take vacations, to pay for their kids' college, to buy rental properties. So I love having a side gig um, and especially something that maybe already fills, fits in with what you already do. You know, so let's say you are a massage therapist and you do essential oils and you can help with, you know, maybe when your clients leave after your massage, you hook them up with some oils so that they get that. Or maybe you're a personal trainer and you do meal plans. And so you have, um, you know, some kind of shakes on your meal plan or something like that, where it fits in with what you're already doing. So that's something to really, um, consider. Number four is you can rent your car on Turo. Um, Turo or Turo is an app that you can rent your car out. So if you're not driving it, obviously. And I think there's, you know, some specifications it might have to be like 2008 or newer, something like that. You can rent your car. Um, number five, you can rent out your room on Airbnb. Right now, Turo also an Airbnb, maybe during the um, quarantine. I don't know if there's special rules about cleaning and all that, but Keep these, keep these in the back of your mind for future. Um, number six, sell your shit. Go into your garage and look at the bike hanging up there that you haven't ridden in two and a half years and put it on Craigslist or anything in that garage that you haven't seen in two and a half years. Like, do you even know what is in your garage or your storage unit? A washer and dryer that you haven't used, a refrigerator that you haven't used, sell stuff. Literally, you have there's so much junk people have that you can make money this week. You could probably make $500 this week just by cleaning out a closet and a garage, at least minimum. Number seven is take surveys. I've seen a lot of people in my group do really well on surveys and use all that money for the like their Christmas every single year. So they're doing surveys, swag bucks. Um, I just learned about a few of them, but I don't know all of them, but you can look those up. Number eight is overtime asking for extra work. Right now, some of you are getting that whether you want it or not. Some of you wish you had, but that's one way to get extra on the spot. Number nine is return something. Now, Jill is going to love this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, Jill, I'm throwing you under the bus here. So Jill is really good at buying things online, but not returning them. (laughs) 
buying clothes. So she'll get some clothes that don't fit, but then she doesn't send them back. And um, there was one time, I think she was about to move. And so I went through a bunch of them and stuff that she was supposed to return. And then I looked on the return policy was passed. There's probably like five or $600 worth of returns. And some of them had passed. So we only got about $200, but I boxed it up, shipped it back. She doesn't like doing those kind of errands. So I was glad to do it for her. But if you have stuff like look in your closet, look in places, you can take stuff back and get some money back in your pocket today. That's huge. It's one of the easiest things you can do to get money back in your pocket. And then number 10 is just don't spend. You know, not spending money keeps money in your pocket today. So, you know, not spending on things you don't need or don't need at the moment. If you need it in the future, you can wait, you know. So those are 10 ways just to get money back right now and be creative. And the very last thing, um, the last action, really, I don't even know if this is really an action, but your biggest obstacle right now and in the upcoming months, your biggest obstacle that you will have, this is the only thing I can tell you that I know for sure, is going to be your ego. It is your ego that is going to keep you from building the business you want because you're scared of what other people think. It's your ego that's going to keep you from taking a side gig because you're worried about what other people think. It's your ego that's going to um, make you think you already know everything. So you're not even listening to this podcast. You're rolling your eyes. You're like, I don't need to sell anything. I don't need anything. Um, It's your ego that's going to make you upset because you, you know, suddenly have to live with your friends. (laughs) I'm just saying this because this was me. Okay. My ego was the thing that got me in the most trouble. Your ego is also, it's causing fear. You know, if you are living in ego, if you are living me, 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 I'm so worried about me, that's good. That's causing fear. If you're not serving, if you're not out there asking what you can do, if you're not trying to figure out how you can help and you're just scared of what's happening, then you're living out of ego. If you're feeling guilty, if you're like, man, I nothing has changed for me. I'm doing like, everything is good. Uh, We're making tons of money right now. In fact, we're crushing it. We're doing better than ever. And you're feeling guilty about that. That is also ego. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to be so proud of yourself. If you're like, man, I'm doing freaking fine. I've been saving for this. I've been working hard. Everything is totally great. I got vegetables in the garden. I've got, uh, you know, bomb shelter underneath my house great. Like don't let ego make you feel guilty. Don't let ego make you feel fear and do not let ego keep you from asking for help or doing something new or doing a position that maybe isn't like up to your quote unquote pay grade at the moment because it's not you. Don't let ego get in the way right now. Don't let ego stop you from asking someone how they got ahead. Don't act like you know it all. I will tell you kicking myself the most for not asking for help earlier, kicking myself for not feeling, for being kind of a spoiled brat about living with friends and not being more appreciative, kicking myself for not getting on food stamps like a couple months earlier and just sucking it up and, you know, because that money I could have used to help fix my car instead of on food. Um, There was a lot of things I wish I did and my ego really got in the way and it humbled me. It really humbled me. And so, I wanted to share that and share my experience of the things I wish I had done because I hope that it helps you no matter what scenario you're in right now. If you're doing amazing, so good. This is your time to really be of service. This is your time to really offer your help. This is your time to like be proud of yourself for preparing for something. And if you didn't 
also don't let your ego beat you up over it. It's that it is what it is. Nobody could have seen this coming. Nobody could have seen this coming. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so bizarre. And we're all doing the best we can. So I want you to just um, give yourself some grace on that. But again, like take action on what you can take action on. Be a steward of what you have. Be mindful. Be faithful with the little things. And um, yeah, I'd really love to hear your feedback on all of this. And um, y'all, we're all going to make it through. (laughs) Some of us will be a little skinned up. Some of us will be great. And I think that is going to be a choice on who gets to be great. Um, You know, in the last one, Jill said to become a leader. And that is really what I I'm striving to be for myself first. You know, I think we have to lead ourselves first for my family and then for the people who look up to me for answers. And while I do not have all the answers, I do have some lessons that I've learned that I can share and I'm going to rise up to the challenge. And I hope you guys rise up to the challenge as well. And I also hope if you're struggling that you don't feel scared to ask for help in in whatever ways you can. And that doesn't mean like asking for money. That just may mean I need help understanding how to do tech. I need help understanding how to do video. Like I, I know I need to be on video. How do I do that? You know, and asking around and not being afraid to get dirty and be a beginner again. So anyway, I love y'all. Um, please subscribe to the podcast and we will see you on the next episode.